everybody, we're so excited to have you here with us. This is the first episode of the Discipleship Program podcast. So if you're listening to this, you probably is an Arise alumni, and uh, we're glad you're here. So I just wanted to give a quick background of uh, what we've been doing and what is this Discipleship Program. So you probably know that Arise has an internship program and it's been always running. But now we have a different element for this. We have what we call discipleship program. So we have this group of people who get together to do ministry and to do life. And through this podcast, we're going to explore that. One element of that is just getting together, studying the word and being fueled by God. Another element of that that we're going to explore in other episodes is going out and doing outreach activities. But for today, we're just going to get together, study the Bible, and let God talk to us. I'm here in the room filled with all these amazing people. (laughs) (laughs) And we're just going to go around introducing ourselves so we get to know each other. My name is Gabriel, and I'm your host for today. I'm from the Arise 2017 class, and I'm from Brazil. And maybe you noticed that I have an accent. (laughs) I'm James Ramirez, uh, coming in from the 2016 Arise class and stayed on as an intern and had the privilege of staying on for this discipleship program. I love it. I'm Steve, and I go to church with all these folks, and I haven't been a part of the Arise program as of yet. My name's Edgar Kiespe. I'm part of the 2017 class, and uh, I love to eat and to cook. And I'm a teacher for the discipleship ministry and get to hang out with all these guys and grow and learn together. It's it's wonderful. Glad you're part of our uh, his time. My name is John and I too am an Arise alumni from the class of 2017. And I'm excited to be part of this intern program and to be discipling with all of these other fine fellows and gals. Amen. I'm Jeffrey Spady uh, from the great state of Idaho. Uh, Hail from the class of 2016. And we've been learning to do life with these people here, and it's been an incredible blessing. I'm Julie Spady, Jeff's wife, and I'm from the RISE program 2017 and super stoked to be the only female part of this program (laughs) (laughs) so now that you know us uh just grab a mug of tea since you don't drink coffee right (laughs) just kidding (laughs) and get your bible and um let's get together and hear from the word our uh, facilitator for today is jeff and i'm really glad that uh he's here so he's gonna give us an overview of what you've been studying and actually. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to today. We have been going through 1 Corinthians and it uh, has always been kind of a struggle uh, of, of a book for me just because of it, it, it seems so, I don't, I don't want to say legalistic, but it seems so, um, it, it has all these elements of, you know, pagan worship and um, meat and food sacrificed to idols and and sexual immorality and, and stuff that still applies today, but it's easy to just 
think that it applies to that that place and time. Um, but we've been really diving in deep and trying to figure out how it applies to us today. And there's really no lack of application to our, our lives. And so it's been phenomenal. So today we're uh, in 1 Corinthians 10. And I'm going to try to give an overview of, of the points that I thought were cool. And then maybe I can have uh, James supplement if that's all right, if there's anything that I miss or any other people want to want to shout out things that that they thought were important. So we covered already, I think th- through verse verse one through, I don't know, maybe maybe 13 or so. Yeah, so we finished on this powerful verse in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So just going back real quick, some of the parts that I I thought were really cool about those first 13 verses are... In in verse 1 through 4, they're talking about the children of Israel coming out of the land of Egypt and passing through the sea. Verse 2, being baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and ate the same spiritual food and ate the same spiritual drink. And then it ties that to the spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So... In, this, in these four verses, we see the element of baptism, which is uh, part of the Christian experience, part of, in, in fact, not, not even, it, ex, it extends beyond our denomination to many other denominations of the importance of baptism. And so, and it's, it's just cool that, that it goes all the way back to then in that, in that place and time. And then in verse... Um, three and four, it links spiritual food and spiritual drink to Jesus, which is the element of communion, which is something that we're going to be doing for all eternity, being thankful and, and grateful for what Christ has done for us. So that's a, that's a really cool element. Um, Anyone else have any just points that were really exciting or or um, things that they liked in the first thirteen verses? I, I have one in verse four also, Jeff. That it was brought out that um, the rock of Christ. Many people look at the God of the Old Testament as a God that is um, domineering. Mm. And, and uh, you know, perhaps not as loving as Christ. And verse 4, the rock was Christ, brings the Old Testament and links the Old Testament to the New Testament. Wow. Mm. That's really powerful. There's a lot of people who, who see the Old Testament as God as being very vindictive and um, angry, I guess, like you said. So it's it's awesome to know that 
the, the Jesus we see in the New Testament is is the God of the Old Testament too. Amen. Another thought, Jeff, I think just kind of overviewing those first uh, 14 or 15 verses uh, is Paul's making a transition from the Old to the New Testament, and he's showing how the Old Testament types of baptism and the Lord's Supper that you pointed out um, so well, and the fact that Christ was the God of the Old Testament, and the fact that they had so much, such a large revelation of who God was, didn't stop them from falling into temptation. They Mm. had been led through the Red Sea, and they had been provided with manna, and Christ was their pillar by night, and their covering in the daytime. They had all the evidence that God was with them, and yet in just a few days, they rose up to play and worship idols, and they murmured against Christ, and they tempted God, and they lusted after their idols and their flesh, fleshly um, desires. And so the point Paul is making here is we need to take heed if we think we're standing lest we fall. We need to be careful to completely be dependent on Jesus because, you know, these temptations come and God is able to make a way of escape, but only he's able to make a way of escape. Mm. And the time that we become weak is the time when we lose our hold on Christ and our focus on Christ And we start thinking that we can stand because of our wisdom or because of our Christian experience or because we're in the discipleship ministry at Life Bearers Ministry or because we're interns or because we're leaders in ministry for 34 years. Whatever it is, third generation, fourth generation Christians, whatever it is, Paul is emphasizing that none of this should lead us to think we can stand. We should always be thinking and focusing on Jesus. Amen. And that's I that's awesome. I, I'm thank you thankful that you brought that out. And the the verse that that ties to that is verse twelve. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And the Israelites were given everything, and they I mean they. I, it's easy to look at them and say, well, there's no hope for me because they were given everything and they still they still miss the mark, but they miss the mark because they took their eyes off the light and they looked at themselves and they, they got confidence in themselves and they realized that they thought, you know, we're God's chosen people. We're God, we're the elite. And they, they, they let that mentality transition over to, to puff themselves up and to become boastful and re- not realizing that it was Christ who was the author of that the whole entire time. Yeah, so this is really important because Paul's transitioning now into our witness, into ministry, into outreach. And this is what Christ did really well. Christ was able to mingle with publicans and sinners and with the world without compromising the standard of righteousness, the standard of of God's law, without compromising his integrity and his conscience. And so Paul here is transitioning to outreach and he's telling us that you know when we're interacting with people and eating with them and hanging out with them um we've got to be completely connected with god Mm. completely connected with christ that's how christ did it and as we're connected with him we can have a powerful outreach without compromising our conscience and our faith that's incredible and that's a that's a perfect segue into the next into the next section here um and before we go on to verse 14 
I'm going to jump ahead and read a verse and that I want you to have in your minds while we're reading verse 14 on. Um, so for, for the sake of uh, my point here, jump down to verse 23. It says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. So just kind of hold that in your mind while we, while we dissect the other verses here. Can I, I'm going to start and then I'll go around to uh, clockwise, I guess. I'll read a couple verses and we'll see. All right, I'll start with, with verse 14. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge for yourselves what I say. A cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. Behold, Israel, after the flesh, are not they which eat of the sacrifice partakers of the altar? What say I then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I, and I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not bid, believe not, bid you to a feast, and you be disposed to go, whatsoever is set before you, eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the J Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. I'm, I, I'm, I'm blown away by the practicality of this whole passage. In... In verse, in verse, uh, 
So in verse 14, we go into idolatry a little bit, and and then we move on to um, communion again. So we, we cover the same thing that we covered in verse 1 through 4, and then we move into like idolatry and, and, and food sacrificed to idols. So all of these are very real issues that they're dealing with. But it's almost as if Paul's making light of them because he's, he says all things like God is what, what I hear Paul saying is God is a, um, is a yes God. He's not a no God. He all things are at my disposal. All things are lawful for me. I can, I can do all things, but for the sake of your brethren, you shouldn't, ha- you shouldn't uh, abuse that freedom. You shouldn't, just because, just because you, your conscience will allow you to eat meat sacrificed to idols, that doesn't mean that you want to make your your brother stumble because for him it's a it's a serious moral issue that the that the meat purchased or or served was sacrificed to idols any any comments or anything that stands out to any of you guys well yeah just building on that jeff uh he's obviously trying to show that everything is God's and there is no such thing as anything that belongs to anyone else but God. So in that, in that way of thinking, um, I can do anything that everything is lawful for me. But then he's also showing in these verses that there's real meaning in the intent or the purpose of the Gentiles and their sacrifices. And they really are sacrificing to devils, mm-hmm. not to God. And there's a real fellowship that takes place when you fellowship with them and you partake of their sacrifices. There's, there's a participatory, participatory action that emboldens them and influences them and can affect you. And so he's saying, this is the reason why you need to back up. If you, really, if you, if you know what their intent is and you realize what's going on, and you have knowledge of all of that, you need to back up. If you don't have knowledge of it, that's fine. If you have knowledge of it, you need to back up. Hmm. Because you'll be provoking the Lord to jealousy. So basically, he's telling us all to live in oblivion. <laughs> well, he's telling us, and I really love this, he's telling us that there are things we do, and, and today we could say, that, you know, we could easily apply it today. There are things that we do, there are purchases that we make, there are investments that we make in life, and we have no idea that that money is being used or the time we're spending is being used by the devil or it's... Mm. In other words, you can go to the extreme of just withdrawing from society altogether right. because everything and everything you do is connected with something evil. And Paul's saying, you just don't know that. You don't know all of that stuff. So you've got a different purpose in life. Now, if you do, if you do become aware of it, if you find out that... Um, Nike is using sweatshops um, and child labor and they're, they're abusing people, then back away from Nike. Uh, boycott them. 
if you don't like the policies that are followed by certain chain stores or certain businesses, then it would be good for you, for your conscience sake, and also um, for your witness, it would be good for you to just not have any fellowship with that. Because when you support that, you actually are supporting it, and so you become a part of it. But he's saying, but you, you don't know everything. You don't, you know, you can't figure out everything. You don't have to ask questions. You don't have to be constantly asking questions about every single thing you buy and every single thing you do in life. Always ask, just live. And when you do find out about these things, hey, act according to your conscience. That's, that's really level-headed. Like. Yeah, that's what I like about the principles because they're so applicable to us today. So level-headed. Hmm. Anyone else? I'm thinking of a practical example, and I don't know if it applies to this verse, but so in Brazil, it's a big deal culturally that women never wear pants. And if you have a woman wearing pants in church, it's just a huge deal. And I remember that once I brought my cousin to church and she came with pants because, you know, she's not a church person. She was wearing whatever she felt comfortable and people just made her feel really uncomfortable and one day i posted a picture here in church and the person uh singing up front was wearing pants and she was like oh really women there can wear pants in church that's so revolutionary and i'm just thinking of where do we draw the line between respecting people points of view and not allowing those traditions or point of views being the way of the gospel because I didn't say anything to my church because I was like, okay, this is what the church believes. This is what culturally is accepted that pants are a big deal, but maybe that's something that I could have intervened with uh, and that could have helped her. So I'm just thinking, where do we draw this line in, in knowing that uh, we need to follow our conscience and also help our uh, fellow believers so we are not stumbling blocks for them, but also not being the way of the gospel? Yeah, that's a really good question. What do you think, John? I think we're always going to be having different issues that we have to come up against, and sometimes we have to maybe let things slide and just have a dialogue. And I don't think everything needs to be so rigid and so black and white. I think there can be a gray area of culture or a gray area of of custom. Mm -hmm. And I think we have to be adults and assess those things and be Christians and go above and beyond. Amen. What do you think, James? Steve? I think in verse 24 it says, let, let no one seek his own, but let each one the other's well-being. In this instance you have, was it your cousin? Yeah. What verse is that? Verse 24. Okay. You have your cousin and then you have the church. And so how do you walk alongside mm-hmm. your cousin and the church for mm-hmm. the well-being of both? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. you know, that takes time. Mm. To be able to to nurture and to minister to both of those, mm. so I don't I don't know exactly what the answer is, mm. but I like that. I think that's important. Dave, James, Jeff, anyone else got some input? 
John has something else he wants to say. 21 also says that you cannot drink of the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. And the the other verse that comes to mind is you cannot serve God and mammon at the same time. And so there is there is clear definition. There is a black and a white. The problem is, is that we always operate in partial light. Right. But anyone else? The Holy Spirit is well, the guide. I, I, I feel like I have the answer, but it's not my words. It's, it's, it's God's words. Uh, verse 31 through the end says, therefore, it's, it's the conclusion. It's the, it's the finale. It's like, man, this is not only the finale of this chapter. It's the finale of, of life. It's the finale of our discipleship program. It's the finale of your, your question for how you deal with different issues. It's the finale for uh, the success in marriage, for success in, in, in light bearers. Drum roll. Drum roll. Verse 31, verse, verse 31, verse 31 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Just let that sink in for a, a second. It's beautiful. It's incredible. And then, and then verse 32, give no offense either to the, to the Hispanics or to the white people or to the Africans or the Brazilians. Give no offense to them, whether they wear pants or not. Or jewelry, or to the Greeks, or to the Church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. So I'm doing everything in my power to give glory to God, to give glory to God, and to not be a stumbling block to someone else. And if everyone else is living by that principle, then they won't be offended by my my pants or lack thereof. Hopefully there's no lack thereof. <laughs> you never know. I'm glad we have this table. <laughs> wow. And table color covers a multitude of sins. <laughs> but this extends beyond someone else's inability to to judge me for wearing pants or not or a dress or whatever is yeah. appropriate. Right. So if I don't, if I don't know that I'm still, so as human, as humans, we're supposed to live unselfishly. We're supposed to live with the good of others in mind. Uh-huh. And the more people that have that will allow more things to slide for the people from the people who don't. Uh-huh. Right. So it doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want. I still, I, I, I want to be in my best right mind to be as respectful as possible, to not create a stumbling block. At the same time, like Edgar said, you have to, you have to be there for both parties. You have to, you have to come alongside your cousin, which at, at that point in time was your number one goal. That's your, that's your priority. So making her feel loved and accepted was your number one priority. Yeah, yeah Jeff, um, I want to tie one more verse in with those verses. 
uh, it's verse 28. And sometimes this verse can be difficult to understand, so I thought it would be good just to explain it a little bit. Okay. If any say unto you, this is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his for his sake that showed it unto you and for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So Paul's ex- explanation, this is kind of a summary point of, his, of the previous verses. Paul's basically saying that there are a misuse of God's things. God's material blessings, God's spiritual blessings, God's physical blessings, God's... All of God's blessings have been misused to some degree or another. But really, everything belongs to God. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So Mm -hmm. if you come across a situation where what God has created and what God has given to us is being misused, Mm -hmm. then it would be good for you for conscience sake, not only your own conscience, but the conscience of the person that pointed it out, it would be good for you not to support that misuse of what God has given. We should do everything to the glory of God. So the question we need to ask is, does God want us to wear pants to church? Does God want us to wear jewelry? Does God want us to eat such and such? Does God want us to watch such and such? Does God want, everything is God's. And what, what Paul's saying here is basically, I partake by the grace of God, verse 30, and everyone else partakes by the grace of God. And we need to give everyone the grace that God has given to us to figure this all out. Mm-hmm. So don't judge people. Don't set up a standard for people. Even if you have a good standard for yourself, one that is biblically based, don't push that on other people because mm-hmm. they may not be there yet. Just like Gabriel's cousin wasn't there yet. I mean, she's just coming to church. Come on. But, but let her figure that out. Paul brings this up in Romans 14 also. He says, let everyone be fully persuaded in his own mind. But don't violate your own conscience because other people aren't where you are yet. You've got mm. to keep your conscience intact. Otherwise, you're going to be backsliding. Mm. So that's his point. Verse 28 really supports verse 31 because it's talking about the fact that everything is God's. And we need to ask the question, not what the church wants us to do, not what other people want us to do. What does God want me to do? Mm. Mm. The earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Steve? I think that it's important for us to realize it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict the person who's doing the things that we personally may know isn't good for them. And it's not our place to put them down because that that ruins everything for the new believer. And so it's so important for us to do our best to do what we know to be true, but love them and let the Holy Spirit do his job in helping them because they'll eventually see what's going on as, as it's brought to light. Because I did many things before I realized it was wrong and then you, then you stop. And I think it's so important for us not to jump on that. Well, this person's doing this, and I gotta fix them. No, that's the Holy Spirit's job mm. in my book. Mm. Thanks, Steve. Yep. So, Jeff. Yes, sir. And everyone else, I want to point you back to verse twenty. Julie, can you read that verse for us? Sure. 
Rather that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. That is a very strong statement, Paul. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that you could be that judgmental, <clears throat> critical of the Gentiles. They don't know anything. How can you say that, Paul? What, what in the world are you doing there, Paul? Do you, see, do you see here, this is a principle that you find all through Paul's writings, all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament. And it's a really beautiful principle. Paul is able to say something very strong here. If you, if you took this verse and took it out of its context and you just had this one verse, you would be like, Paul, you are so critical and so judgmental. But when you read the context of what he's saying, it's couched in grace, love, mercy, goodness, long-suffering. All of it's there. Mm. And so the point I'm trying to make is Paul is making sure that he doesn't compromise the standard of truth and right. But he, the way he says everything, I don't think we would even know this verse is in here we, because there's so much of, of the, I'm going to say it this way, of the potatoes that you can hardly even taste the salt. Hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so he, want, he wants us to say things that are pretty direct sometimes, but say it in such a way that it doesn't become the center of what we're saying. It's just part of what we're saying. And as salt mixes into our food so that it makes the food taste better rather than taking over the food and becoming uh, really harsh for us to to taste. Mm -hmm. So our language, our conduct, the way we interact with people should be filled with this grace and don't lose the salt, uh, the seasoning of salt. Hmm. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Amen. I forget where that's found. Well, any other points before we close up? Probably good thoughts this morning. Thank you, everyone, for contributing. Mm. It's a powerful, powerful chapter. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. We're really glad that you are here and that you can be part of these conversations. Uh, I'll see you next week. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being present this morning and helping us to understand some of these truths that that you made so evident to Paul and that he was able to convey to the Corinthians. I pray that we will learn how to take them and apply them to our lives in in this day and age and that we will have grace for everyone we come in contact with and that we will live not for ourselves, but for others and for you. Thank you so much for the God that you are. And thank you for the forgiveness that you offer freely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.